0: From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. Around the country, as bars, gyms, restaurants, public pools, daycares, spas, and salons are open, most public school districts will remain closed for the start of the upcoming academic year. And just last week, even some private schools in Maryland got orders to close as well. But in the midst of what I know personally is a time of panic for many parents, an incredible education movement is happening right before our eyes. The free market is offering hope to parents who are running out of options through something called pandemic pods. Full disclosure, I'm one of those parents. So what is a pandemic pod? Basically parents team up with other families in their neighborhood or social circle and pool together their resources. They quarantine their children together, usually in small groups, and then hire a teacher or a private tutor to work with their children inside their home. Here are two moms in Kansas City and how they're making the pod concept work for them. They're best friends, for sure. Rachel and Natalie's kids were in the same kindergarten class in the Shawnee Mission School District. That is, until COVID-19 canceled in-person learning. Me, as a working parent, it was really hard to suddenly get that notification of, hey, there's no school next week, and we don't know when it will be back. For both moms, virtual learning proved difficult. I am not a teacher. I do not have that gift. With a new school year looming, they're tackling it together. So I could teach the girls on Mondays and Thursdays. Then they'd go to Rachel for Tuesday and Friday, leaving just one day of solo learning with the Shawnee Mission curriculum. And here's how the left is viewing this innovation. A recent New York Times headline reads, $25,000 pod schools, how well-to-do children will weather the pandemic. But Dr. Lindsay Burke, director of Heritage's Center for Education Policy, says that $25,000 pods are far from the norm. Most families are contributing about a few hundred dollars per month. And as we just heard, two Kansas City moms are contributing their time rather than direct financial resources. Burke says, regardless of the price range, policy needs to catch up with podding and allow K through 12 education dollars to fund the students rather than the school systems, enabling families from all economic situations to participate in this growing movement. Today, Dr. Burke is going to explain how these pods took off, how you can find one that works for you, how much they cost, and how they are actually benefiting some teachers and more. Our conversation right after this break.
1: Americans have almost entirely forgotten their history. That's right, and if we want to keep our republic, this needs to change. I'm Jarrett Stepman. And I'm Fred Lucas. We host The Right Side of History, a podcast dedicated to restoring informed patriotism and busting the negative narratives about America's past. Hollywood, the media,
0: and academia have failed a generation. We're here to set the record straight on the ideas and people who've made this country great. Subscribe to The Right Side of History on Apple Podcasts,
1: SoundCloud, and Stitcher today.
0: Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so how did you first see or hear about these groups going on? How did you know they were forming?
1: Yeah, so we started to just hear the idea sort of trickle out about a week and a half ago. I first saw a Facebook post that had gone viral to the extent that people were reposting the Facebook post on Twitter, but it was a mom basically talking about how she was Uh, doing the pod approach. She was getting a few students together uh, because her child's assigned district school wasn't planning on reopening in the fall. And and they were hiring a teacher to teach those kids for a portion of of the day and then a portion of the school week. And she talked about how uh, what a great example this was of how responsive the free market is as well when it comes to providing uh, education options during a pandemic, during a crisis. And so that post really went viral. It was the first post that I saw about it, and this is probably two weeks ago now. And since that time, we have seen a number of Facebook groups pop up, Facebook groups in particular, where families are getting together and exchanging ideas about how to pod. Uh, There's uh, one Facebook group, it's sort of the main Facebook pod page page. And as of today, had more than 29,000 members that wow. were uh, part of that group, right? And considering this is just really a couple of weeks old, it's been phenomenal growth in a really short amount of time.
0: Yeah, I have to be honest. Um, we're trying to find a solution for my youngest, who's um, not quite kindergarten age, but close enough. And we came up with a solution. And I think a lot of people might be in my position where I came up with a solution that, that I didn't even know was this it is this, but you know, you just don't think of naming it something. So um, are the pods typically all one age group or sometimes could you have a teacher teaching different age groups?
1: You could, you could have a teacher teaching different age groups because at the heart of it, and again, this is, it's just really starting to kind of formalize. And I think so many families are in the, the position that you're in where they're just trying to think, you know, what should we do over the next few weeks and what do we do this fall? And um, so they're they're starting to slowly get it together for their kids in pod form. And so instead of really thinking, should we group kids based on age? So, you know, all of the six-year-olds in one group, um, it really looks like it's taking closer to the form of competency-based education uh, than, than we've seen in the past. So thinking more about putting kids together and bringing in a teacher or a tutor who can Provide the content that those children need or the support that they need for whatever their district school is providing And and that's the other important aspect of this is that some families are using the pod Concept as a supplement to what their district school is providing and then some are gonna do it full-time and if you kind of follow the Facebook pages and the exchanges um, you can see that it looks to be for the most part, maybe three quarters right now are using it to supplement what the district's doing. And then you've got the remaining families really thinking about this as kind of an education lifestyle change.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, something that's, it touches on an important point. You get to kids who might be like fourth, five, sixth grade and up, they can kind of follow along whatever it is that their teachers are sending them for the quote unquote distance learning. But you get any younger than that. And, you know, even if your parent is home, they can't just, you know, read what they're given and follow along. You're really instructing them the whole time. And that is, in a sense, a job.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I like uh, if you follow some of the groups online, I like how a lot of these groups are structuring their pods because basically what they're doing is they are using whatever the district sort of online or hybrid option is for the beginning part of the day, and then they will have a teacher come over or tutor come over in the afternoon and work through some of that district online uh, coursework that they did in the morning. And so that's what we see when we're talking about supplementing what the district is doing. So that, that's been really, really interesting to see. And you know, just the ability to, I think, have kids of different ages come together to provide that socialization aspect. This is a big part of what families are looking for right now is they're you know, coming, coming together to create these pods is to provide Kids with the socialization aspect that they might be missing uh, if they're in-person schools, either public or private or closed down right now. So um, there, there are a lot of benefits that we're seeing provided by the POD approach, but
0: it's both the academics and the, the social aspect right now. Some of the families and children that are being affected the most are those with special needs. And I think what's frustrating is that many of the public schools that are closed are creating exceptions for students have extremely serious learning disabilities, but nothing for those who have, um, you know, smaller disabilities like dyslexia or ADHD or speech impediments. Do you see this type of situation still working or being able to apply it to those type of students?
1: Yeah, and and again, I know I keep going back to the sort of uh, crowdsourced answers to this, but what we're seeing when you follow some of these groups is that those are the families who have really submitted just some interesting questions about the mechanics of potting, how it could work for their children. So we're seeing families of children with special needs, children who are on the autism spectrum, uh, really sort of crowdsource a lot of this information from other families who are coming together in the online community to build their pod and making sure that they're grouping children appropriately and then bringing in the appropriate tutor or teacher to meet their needs as well. You know, tutors and teachers who have that background in uh, whatever it might be that they need, behavioral therapies, uh, for example. And if you uh, look at the kind of supply side response to this as well, it's really, really interesting because we're seeing the private sector respond in a way that has been Uh, incredibly useful to families in a super short amount of time. So um, there there are groups like, uh, there's one called Schoolhouse that helps families uh, form their own pod or their own micro school, and they match the families up with teachers in a given geographic area. And I think what's really neat about that particular uh, company is that they also help the families uh, sort of navigate any requisite state laws, and they'll help them provide an academic transcript for the children and their pod, because I, I do think that's sort of the next big question, just from an ed policy perspective, um, that we'll see folks starting to navigate is how do we demonstrate that uh, or what students have learned during this time when you know the sort of traditional model is shut down and, and kids are in pods. So you know, seeing the market respond and provide things like academic transcripts for students who are in micro schools and who are in pods, I, I, I just think is really interesting and was a, a quick market response like we always
0: expect to see. So how are the teachers benefiting from this setup?
1: Yeah, so this is the other really interesting aspect of potting. <laughs> I don't know if we want to call it potting long term, but uh, of these education or pandemic pods is that there is the ability for teachers to, I think, be well-paid in the future. We're seeing, and it's, you know, it's early on. um, These are anecdotal reports uh, largely, but there was an article about a week and a half ago in the Washington Post. The Washington Post had interviewed a teacher in Broward County, Florida, and the teacher, the prior year, had been teaching in a private school. But this fall, uh, or I guess now this summer, two families had reached out to her to teach their children this fall in a pod, and then she agreed to do that, and immediately three other families reached out as well, and she said she will make more money this fall teaching in a pod than she did last year as a traditional teacher in a private school. That's amazing. it's amazing. It you know the ability is out there uh, for teachers to potentially earn more than they're earning in the, the traditional system. But I think maybe even more importantly is just the flexibility that that it provides teachers and families. Um, you know, schools are largely closed right now to in-person instruction. Teachers might be able to leverage this pod moment to even supplement some of their income. So it's just there's some interesting possibilities that are floating
0: out there that I think we'll learn a lot more about over the next few weeks. Just to be a little bit more specific, do you know the going rate per family to join a pod? Well, it uh, depends on where you are geographically. We're hearing
1: uh, $500 seems to be the, the amount uh, per month that I've heard the most often reported for a family. And so Again, this is a family contributing to a pool of resources, basically, within the neighborhood or, you know, social community, whatever the community is that has created the pod. But providing, you know, that $500 per month per child uh, is a way for the pod to then hire a teacher or a tutor to provide that instruction. Uh, Certainly, you know, if you're in Manhattan or, you know, wherever it might be, the, the number could be much higher. but. That seems to be the going rate that I hear the most frequently.
0: Okay, so for our listeners then, how would, if they were interested, how would they go about in setting one of these up? What's the first step?
1: So I would say the very first step is to actually go to the Facebook group that is the main pandemic pod group. Uh, This is the one I mentioned a minute ago that has now more than 29,000 users, and that was just over the matter of the past two weeks or so. Um, because if you go to that page, that page is then subdivided into different threads. So uh, threads on different issues about um, you know, any legal issues or um, networking, uh, it provides academic resources, but then it's also broken down into geographic location as well. And so you're able to either find existing pods uh, in your local area or to reach out to other families Uh, in your area to start a pod. So I would say that is step one. Step two would then be to check out some of the organizations that have popped up over the past few weeks that are really helping to bridge um, the sort of gap between the family piece and the teacher piece. So I mentioned Schoolhouse before. Uh, There are other organizations like Prisma. That's a co-learning network that helps uh, group children into cohorts of geographic peers uh, provide some of that independent work and online learning guidance. Uh, there's another organization called Primer that provides lots of educational resources um, as as you're building the pod. And then if you want to go a little deeper and sort of I guess the more formal version of a pod we we could say is maybe a micro school. Uh, I would definitely recommend looking at Prenda. Prenda is uh, now probably the largest micro school network in the country. They're excellent. They are in a high growth mode right now um, and have really just been a a great uh, benefit during the pandemic in particular. So I would start by getting involved with one of these groups online, uh, and then they are active and provide lots and lots of information and uh, will really help build out the pod from there. And I, I would also say Heritage will host an event with mothers who have
0: created their own pods and we're gonna walk through exactly how to create a pod of your own. Awesome, so many resources. We'll make sure to put that link in our show notes so our listeners can find it. All right, last question. Has there been any blowback on this? For example, It can be a scary place on social media right now. I'm afraid to comment on things. You know, my husband doesn't want me commenting on things. You don't know what's going to happen after. Are people getting any negative responses when they reach out or they even talk about starting a pod? And I do hope they change the name from pod. It sounds strange. Right. So um, I suppose this is a pod about pods.
1: So at least there's that. Uh, So, but, you know, the, I guess, blowback, if you will, the the only sort of negative pushback that I've really seen so far um, is that, you know, there is concern and it's not misplaced about what, you know, um, will there be an exacerbation of educational gaps of educational inequality, um, inequality of access as a result of moving toward options like this uh, and sort of away from that district uh, system that so many families are used to. And the answer is that if that's the case, it is critical that we provide those funds that we currently spend directly to students. We want to make sure and we have to make sure that children from low income families have equal access to the opportunity to join things like pods and micro schools And we spend a lot of money on K-12 education every year, so we just need to make sure now that that money is flowing directly to families and not going into systems that aren't meeting the needs of kids or whose doors aren't even open at the moment. And so um, that's the answer if we want to make sure that um you know we're, we provide that access to children for low-income families make sure they have the opportunity to to join a pod or a micro school have policy catch up with where parents are and i will just say quickly too that pods i mean this is just it's amazing the civil society response to the moment that we're in because so many families right now are thinking about this issue and we are hearing stories of pods that are setting aside some additional money To basically provide scholarships to children outside of the neighborhood uh, to join their pod for free. So that's just, I I think, really a beautiful illustration of how civil society is rising up to meet the moment. Uh, And so now we need to make sure that public policy is also catching up.
0: Dr. Lindsey Burke, thank you so much for all of your work right now. As a parent to young children, this is a very scary time, and your work at Heritage has been a major resource. And I hope we can have you back on again to talk about these pods as things actually change with the movement. Yes, thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week's episode. I have a whole bunch of links and resources for anyone out there who needs it in our show notes. Also, feel free to shoot us an email for more information. If you know a family out there right now who might need this information, please share this podcast. You can find us on just about all podcast platforms, but you can also listen to the episode and share it on Facebook, Instagram, and through YouTube. I hope you're all well. I hope your family's well and that you're finding ways to stay cool in this hot, hot August. We will see you next week. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher with editing by John Pop